Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. You know what I'm singing, Lee? You're singing the song Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> I can't get anything by you. Nothing. I, really... I think I think that's a uh, Elvis Presley song. It is it? an Elvis Presley song, and you know why I'm singing it, don't you? Viva Las Vegas. I think I do, but why don't you tell me, Rob? Well, uh, today is Thursday, podcast Thursday. Yeah. And uh, next Monday, you, Matt Fothery, our CEO, Janine Davis, our national account manager, and myself will be in Las Vegas for InsureTech Connect 2019. Yeah. yeah. And if you're if you're listening to this podcast, that was four to five weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, folks. It is, it is now in the past. We're looking forward to InsureTech 2020. We, so. we, we are indeed. And um, we will be there not only in our as our day jobs as part of 470, but also importantly as podcasters. And ITC has provided us with podcast space and we will be out and I'm sure we'll have a special episode for you all about things we see and people we find at InsureTech Connect. Yeah, you know what I can't stop thinking about is that Elvis Presley ate ate lunch in Waco, Texas one time at the Elite Cafe. <laughs> and the there. Elite Cafe is now uh-huh. owned by by Chip and Joanna and mm-hmm. is a Magnolia table. So it's if you're ever me. driving through Waco, Waco, come eat at Magnolia, right? Mm-hmm. Magnolia table where, mm-hmm. where Elvis one time ate while he and, was on tour at Fort Hood. And sing... Viva yeah. Las Vegas while you're the sitting whole at your table and your whole meal time. and your meal will be free. Mm-hmm. I think he sat in the back left booth. So if you're lucky enough, that's where it'll be. Obviously, it's the same booth. It has been redecorated, Lee. Four or five times. Yeah. I think yeah. it shut down twice. But yeah. Should we talk about who our guest is today? Yeah, that's that's better than my my facts. Today we have on Mike McCann, who's SVP at Rev One. You ever heard of Rev One? I have heard of Rev One. I'm not sure if everyone has. Tell us real quick what Rev One is. So Rev One is a really neat company. Uh, they work with startup companies and they work with numerous carriers to help them get involved uh, in the insured tech space with interviewing, onboarding, even investing in. It's just a kind of an all-around company that helps bring new companies, startup companies into their space, not only in the insure tech world, but also across six or seven other verticals. From 30,000 feet, you might call them an accelerator. But as you come down lower, what you see is they're far more nuanced and complex and have taken the model and pushed it out um, into bigger, broader, and wider. And it's it's pretty cool. And I think that um, everyone in our audience will enjoy hearing what Mike has to say about his company. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking very forward to it. So without further ado, uh, we're going to do this podcast so we can go back to packing our bags to go to InsureTech Connect. And uh, here's our interview with Mike McCann from Rev1. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We have uh, another guest from the world of uh, venture capital, accelerators, et cetera, from the ecosystem of InsureTech. And that is a couple of people from Rev One. 
Mr. Mike McCann, and not and and hiding in the background today is Heather Harmon, who uh, who's there who's there to help Mike. H how are you guys doing? I'm doing great this morning or this afternoon. Thank you. Excited to be on. <laughs> sure. Wonderful. Welcome. Welcome. Time flies when you're having fun. You don't know what time of day it is. We have that happen all the time. Mike, you're an SVP at Rev One. Is that correct? That's correct. Cool. And where is where are you guys today? Rev One is based here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, cool. Currently the largest city in Ohio, is that right? That's correct. Okay. And is it the capital also? Did I get that right? That's also correct, yep. Oh, okay. So there's a lot happening in Columbus, yes? Yeah, it's a capital city. It's a great city with a lot of uh, Fortune 500 companies based here. So a lot going on, a good diverse economy. And I'll say it because I, because I know there has to be Buckeyes on this and the home of Ohio State University. Yes, the Ohio State University. Uh, myself, a two-time alumni, <laughs> so very proud of the Buckeyes and excited for uh, another big Saturday coming up here in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I threw that chum in the water <laughs> to see what would happen. Yeah, you did. Look, you you, you oh, chunked yes. that right in there. There you go. There you go. So, Mike, um, you're with Rev One, and I think that um, there's probably a lot of people in our audience who haven't heard of Rev One. We heard about Rev One through our mutual customer Grange Insurance, and so why don't we start by you giving us a minute or two on what Rev One is, what you guys do, what you're, and just and what you do there, et cetera. Sure thing. So uh, I'll start with Rev One Ventures and what we do, and then I'll, I'll lead that into my role specifically and then connect it to the, the Grange name that you threw out there. So Rev One Ventures, we refer to ourselves as an investor startup studio. Uh, what that means is that we provide uh, an array of strategic services and capital and resources to our primary audience, entrepreneurs and corporate innovation teams. So we're unique in a few ways in that when we think of these services and programs and resources, you could look at those and, and think that Rev1 Ventures looks like an accelerator program because we work with a lot of startups, we, right. we partner with a lot of corporates, um, but we, we don't necessarily look at the world in, in a confined uh, 10 to 12 week semester program per se, but we, we partner with our, our startups and our, and our corporate partners for uh, really what we think of as, as a life cycle. Uh, so when we invest and work with startup companies, it's typically for, for many years and, and potentially multiple rounds of funding. When we work with our corporate partners, we're, we're looking to partner for, for long-term um, uh, arrangements where we can really make a deep impact in their businesses uh, and, and make an impact on their culture. On the capital side, we have a number of funds under management, uh, funds both that Rev1 manages uh, in, entirely, like a traditional venture capital firm, like our Rev1 Fund 1, where we uh, have LPs from uh, a lot of different corporations here in town. But then we also partner with different corporations and research institutions to manage strategic venture funds where we're uh, building a, a, an investment um, approach and process around their strategic growth areas or to spin uh, innovations out of those research institutions. So the, the latter being uh, working with the Ohio State University, working with Nationwide Children's Hospital, Ohio Health. Mm -hmm. um, my role at Rev1 then is to work 
uh, with our corporate partners. So I head up that area for us. So I get to work day in, day out with the likes of Grange Insurance and and how we take the startup studio model and, and how we think about working with entrepreneurs and startups and help build that in a, in a programmatic and process-oriented way around their vision for corporate innovation and how they want to engage with, with startups in that process. What a really cool idea and thing you guys are doing. Are you, are you focused on a particular region? That's a, yeah, great question. And, and the answer to that de- sort of depends on, on a couple of factors. So uh, because of uh, our, our geography and, and such great deal flow in Columbus, Ohio, uh, the majority of our investment activity and in the startups that we work with are going to be here in Ohio and, and to a certain extent even in central Ohio. But as we look at our different corporate partners, we know that, you know, for, for Grange or State Auto or, or James Mucker, we know that the innovations they're looking for to make an impact on their, on their business aren't confined to Columbus or to Ohio. So sure. in those cases, we actually look globally for startups or solutions that could help them. So it's not uncommon for us to, sure, talk to a company that's based in Columbus or in Denver or Vancouver or Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Um, or and anywhere in between. So we, we do look globally um, depending on the, the program and the partner. If you got involved with a startup that was from, say, Israel or out of your region and uh, they became involved with Rev1, would you ask them to move to Columbus for the time being or, or, or do you carry on that relationship long distance as well? We can carry on that dis- that relationship long distance. So we know that there's a lot of factors that go into where you need to locate your business. Sure. And, and we can ask that question um, on a regular basis. And for us, it's the, the first question is, where does your business need to be strategically based on your customer base, your talent base, and, and where you want that company to be? If all those arrows point to Columbus, Ohio, we say, welcome, come on over. But uh, if, if that is elsewhere, then, then we you know, certainly want them to be where their business needs to, to grow and, and be successful. Okay. Tell us just quickly the, you, your guys's startup story. Um, I'm, I'm always interested how these things even start. Uh, can get, share with that, share that with us if you would. Sure thing. The, the origin story of, of Rev1 Ventures. So I'll really start back. I'll go about seven years back. Um, the, the CEO of our organization, Tom Walker, um, had started a, an organization, a venture development organization out in Oklahoma City. And he was recruited into Columbus to uh, help the region um, build an organization that was really supportive and, and could really help the, the innovation and, and startup economy grow here in central Ohio. So uh, when he came in, uh, we were able to, to build a, a team around that vision. And it started with looking at the opportunities in Columbus, all, all the the, the, cor- the thriving corporate base, these great research institutions, and and really think about how do you put together the right pieces and talent to to grow the the startup studio. So the, the term startup studio wasn't something that we used back in 2012, 2013, but as we, we hired on and expanded the team to get the right experience on the fund management side of the business, as we brought in folks to think about our our client and an entrepreneur support model uh, and the services have have really grown over the last few years and then uh, even thinking about strategically how do we view this innovation center that we have in columbus ohio where we work um, that's really where it starts so for us um, 
if, if you look back, we've since 2013 um, gone from investing in maybe a, a dozen startups a year to last year, we were able to invest in 36 unique companies. Um, wow. So really expanding and, and putting Columbus on the map and, and putting Rev1 Ventures on the map as the, the most active investor by deal count in the state and, in, and across the region. Um, and it's really been just piece by piece putting the, the right people and putting the right resources in place to, to um, help us put those services to work in the, in the highest growth opportunities and to build the partnerships. Cool. Cool. Let, 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 let's talk about the startup side first, real quickly. Um, uh, wh- wh- what do you think, Lee? Well, you know, you were talking there about the startup studios. You know, what, what does a company have to do to get involved um, with you? Great question. Um, so we look at the world pretty pragmatically. So uh, when I mentioned the, the, the deals, for instance, so we invested in 36 companies last year. Uh, about half of those were concept stage companies. Uh, most of the other half were seed stage. And then we had a, a nice number, about a handful that were early in growth stages. So for us, even at the concept stage, the one thing that we are really, uh, that we really value and look for in companies is having some level of connectivity to their target customer. So it doesn't mean that you have to have revenue. It doesn't mean they have to have, even have a product. But we want entrepreneurs to demonstrate that they are solving a significant problem and that they have a clear path to connecting with those customers who can actually pay for it. So we spend a lot of time early on vetting that. Uh, a good example there is a program we call Customer Learning Lab. Uh, it, it is focused heavily on assessing the market, looking at a competitive uh, landscape, and then spending time with the entrepreneur, giving them a framework to actually go out and get customer feedback. And it's those companies that come back to us with the, 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 the strong market data, with the, the differentiated features defined, and most importantly, with that positive feedback from their target market that we get excited about and that we work with. Now, that's how we work with things on the concept end. When you're a seed stage company or a growth stage company, uh, that's where we look for things that a, a, a typical investor might look for. We want to see a strong, talented management team. We want to see a, a product that's getting the kind of adoption and growth that you'd want to see. We want to see a strong business model and, and a market that can support a venture-backed company. But we really focus and spend a lot of time, especially in the early stages, at you know, how are you connecting with your customer and are you solving a really significant problem in the marketplace? So not just not just is is this cool, yeah, or maybe does it have is it viable in, in the in the far future? Is it a commercially viable idea? Exactly, and there's a, a, a we we follow a lot of newsletters, but there's one that, that sticks out that we, we really um, spend a lot of time with. And I don't know if you guys ever look at CB Insights, but they do yeah. a report periodically where they do these startup postmortems. Sure. And for us, the most fascinating data point is the number one reason startups fail is that they don't actually have a market need. It's something on the order of 40 to 50% of companies self-report that that's why they fail. Is that in InsureTech? Is that in 40 50% of InsureTechs fail? No, that's that's uh, across the board, across all industries and all sectors. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that number doesn't surprise me. Yeah, you know, Rob and I talk a lot about, uh, you know, sales and things like that. And a lot of times we back up and say, wait, what are we, mm-hmm. you know, what is the need? What do we, we know what we might want to do. We know what 
we think people want, but is is there a need? So what, I think that's really what's the problem. Yeah, what, what's the solving? problem we're trying to solve? That so yeah, that's really interesting. How many how many companies come to y'all during a year uh, to try to get working with y'all? Great questions. Yeah, so uh, locally around the central Ohio and Ohio community, we'll see probably between six and seven hundred companies reach wow. out to us, and then through our partners and and looking. Uh, outside of Columbus, Ohio, we'll probably see another six or 700 that we'll network with at some level. So all told, well over a thousand uh, startups that we'll see in one form or another. So is Ohio State, um, here's here's your next plug for Ohio State. The, the, the Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. Is Ohio State must be a hotbed of um, innovation and startups. I mean, it's a super large school, right? One of the top uh, largest um, one, two, three largest school in the country. It must be a hotbed of of innovation and startups. Is that the case? Yeah, we see uh, two layers to to the relationship and the presence of of Ohio State here. Um, one is is all the research and development that goes on there. So we have a a, a long and, and great partnership with Ohio State where we work with their commercialization office, and uh, a lot of times when they're looking at things that faculty and, and researchers develop, how do we figure out which of those inventions uh, have market potential in one form or another? So going through these exercises to figure out, okay, what problem could this solve? What's the market look like? And can it be uh, commercialized in the form of a startup company? So we actually will spin out um, anywhere, eight, 10, 12 or more a year uh, companies from uh, the Ohio State University which involves not only validating the technology, but finding and helping support the management team. Uh, we have a dedicated fund with Ohio State where we can invest in those companies. So there's a lot of activity going on there with the, the actual science and, and the research and development. Uh, the other layer is that it's just a very rich talent base. Um, and that goes for Ohio State, but as well as the, the region as a whole. So there's north of 60,000 undergraduate and graduate students at Ohio State. So we see uh, such great um, individuals there who can come up with their own innovations. It's a great pipeline to help feed these growing startups and, and keep that talent here in Columbus. But even on top of that, there's another 60 or 70,000 students across all the universities in, in the region as a whole. So it's just a great right. young emerging talent base that we see year in, year out. So you're not just talking about the football team. <laughs> we're a little bit more than football, uh, except okay. I, ha I had to get yeah, this in. time of year. You know, I, I always wonder whenever you're dealing with these startup companies, uh, six six hundred or so to a thousand different companies coming to you. Are there certain attributes you're looking for at, for a company that you know if they have X and Y, they're probably going to be successful, or if they have X and Y, it's probably not going to work. Are there any telltale signs that, that, that you look for when working with a startup? Sure thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll give you a, a couple um, layers to that answer. And, and part okay. of it is the way we think of the startup studio and then and a couple of things that we, we really dig into, one that I mentioned already, and then a couple other um, items. So one, with every company that comes through, we, we know that there's no singular dimension that can determine success or failure. So the startup studio model, and when we're bringing these resources to bear, what we're trying to do is because the venture space is such a, a, a risky area, is we just want to incrementally improve the odds of success. So if you can do a little bit 
uh, across the product, the market, the business, the team, and the capital. If you can do a little bit in those areas to improve their odds of success, there's a multiplier effect where you can you know, hopefully greatly uh, uh, increase the, the chances of the company uh, growing and, and being a great startup. So we examine all those throughout our pipeline. We look at the product. How is it differentiated? Uh, what is the feasibility of the technology? We look at the market. Do you have customer contacts and relationships? Can you actually uh, convert those prospects into into customers? Do you have a, a market that um, doesn't necessarily have to be huge, but is it the type of market that can support a venture-backed company and the kind of growth that you need? Uh, the business, look at the intellectual property, think about the business model. Team, very important at different stages, and then capital. We, we invest at such an early stage. Do we have visibility into not just this concept or seed round of funding, but how are you going to raise the the one or two or five rounds of funding after that. So we, we do a pretty full assessment across all of those areas as we're, we're evaluating companies. But the, the things that stand out, uh, and I'll just mention two of them, you know, one that we talked about already, which is the customer. So we, we really want to feel like we, the, the, the team that's coming through isn't just talking about their customer, but they, they can actually speak to the primary research and, and, and data that they've gathered from their target customer. We know at Rev1 that there's a 5% or less chance that any individual on our team is the actual target audience for, for any company coming through the door. So we can't necessarily weigh an opinion on how this thing would actually be used. So we rely heavily on that, that customer intelligence and, and what they actually need. The second category is, is business model. So, um, you know, we, we hear a lot of folks who, and, and all of those things are important. The team is important. The, the market is important, but you, you can, hire a good team to, to execute a business plan. You can't hire a good team to fix a business model that doesn't scale. So we really want to understand and, and spend time looking at the unit economics as early as we can to figure out, is this the kind of, the kind of business that can really have a strong growth for, for a long way, uh, way to come? And that's where uh, uh, we really spend a lot of time um, with companies doing that full business modeling exercise in the early going. Wow, that is really neat. Can we talk about some real world examples of how you guys have um, kind of used some of those ideas and, and, and brought it forward? Because as as you know, we're an insure tech podcast and we're very interested in insurance and you have a a number of uh, insure tech companies in your portfolio. Uh, one, a, a couple that stick out to me are, are Matterport and Cape Analytics. Can we talk about those for a minute? Sure thing. Both of those are, you know, very successful and and increasingly uh, entrenched insurtechs in the industry. Did did you guys help bring them up? Is that why they're in your portfolio? Yeah. So our relationship with those firms, um, it's through our, our partnership and the fund that we manage with State Auto, the State Auto Labs Fund. So in those cases, um, we've been able to invest in those companies. Um, with that fund. And, and what we've done there is, is maybe we didn't go through some of the exact exercises I mentioned, like the, the concept stage work, but we, we basically, when we work with state auto or with Grange or with these other firms, we're applying a, a very similar methodology in terms of how we think about the business and evaluate those companies and, and putting that lens on those startups. So in the case of 
Matterport and, and Cape Analytics leading that due diligence process. We're looking at the product, the market, the business, the team, and the capital. Sure. And we're thinking through um, how does this scale? How does this go in the market? And is it a good investment opportunity? So similar relationship getting built there, uh, similar level of activity. But they're good examples of one of the things that we want to talk about with you today, and that's your relationship with with um, some of your sponsors or, or partners like uh, State Auto, like Grange, that are unique, I think, in in your guys' industry. And that is, it, it transcends just uh, having them sponsor you and you all finding interesting companies for their um, investment or, or use purposes, right? I mean, you guys have a, a kind of an entrenched relationship with these companies. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's a great way to put it because we, we look at... Um, you know, there are organizations um, you might look at like a Rev One, where we do look at things as as sponsor dri- driven or, or very surface level relationships. But when we look at Grange, when we look at State Auto and, and our other corporate partners, we look at them as very, very deep, entrenched is a great way to put it, very strategic relationships. So uh, in those cases, we are, are taking that startup studio model and we're really studying and spending a lot of time with them on their vision for the company and, and how innovation fits into that. And we're building that startup studio around that process. So looking at their focus areas and having an understanding of what types of companies do you want and, and, and what kind of companies can we be bringing through the door? And then once we've had those discussions, um, based on the, the culture of the company or how you're organized, how are we going to build a process that helps you efficiently and effectively evaluate the company for fit down the, to the, the point of a proof of concept or a pilot, maybe even an investment so that you're, uh, again, not all of them are going to be home runs, but how do you improve the odds of success that you're going to find the right companies that you can either build the right strategic relationship with or uh, build return opportunities if you're actually going to go in and make investments in those companies? So, so whenever you're working with a company like Grange, for example, what, what do you actually do with them. So it sounded like whenever we interviewed uh, them that y'all will go out and interview and find your own companies or interview other companies and then bring them the companies that fit their needs. Is that right? Yeah, that's the the first step in that process. So Rev1, when when we look at uh, our partnerships, we will sit down with our partner and, and we'll define a focus area, say it's customer experience. And, and part of that is We'll break customer experience. That's a very big category. I and mean, if, if you think in insure tech, there's uh, hundreds, if not thousands of companies doing things that could touch customer experience. But we want to break down customer experience into these specific use cases where we can actually go out and then find, okay, who are the, the one or two startups that are actually doing things that solve this very specific use case or very specific problem uh, or create this specific opportunity that can actually impact our business? And then we want to go out and bring those startups in. And then once we brought them in, we want to sit around the table and uh, spend some time learning about that company. How do they fit? Is it the right opportunity at the right time? Um, and those are really fun discussions because you often we'll, we'll sit around the table with our partner team and we'll be uh, on the conference call or talking to this company. You can't often pick out who's the Rev1 employee, who's the Grange employee. It's really a, a team effort because we spent so much time on the front end getting an understanding of what problem we're trying to solve that we're very collaborative throughout that process. Wow. That was this, that was the sense, uh, when we, when we had our, uh, episode with, with Brent Hammer at Grange that we got from him was that, that 
he has a small team. He's trying to do he's trying to do big things with a small team, and that you guys kind of round out his team and give him much more bandwidth um, with which to bring innovation to his organization. Yeah, exactly. And, and the way we look at it, and the way we what we want to build with our partners uh, around corporate innovation is we want to be um, a capacity builder. What we want to do is we want to bring the the Rev One Startup Studio approach, and, and we look at that as as infrastructure. It's innovation infrastructure that can scale. So whether you have a small team or you're just starting out, or in some cases you even have, maybe you don't, you know, some of our partners don't even have full-time employees dedicated to this kind of an area, but we can build a process that helps them do more um, with less. So they're able to to really get a lot out of uh, that vision and that strategy because we, as you guys probably know uh, in the insure tech space, uh, working with startups can be hard. It can be time consuming. And we built a process and a model that helps do that uh, pretty efficiently. So we can take a, a whole load of effort um, and really tee up the things that are going to be most impactful and the best use of the time for our partners so they can uh, really be effective and, and get the results that they're looking for. So I have a question. Whenever I look at your portfolio online, uh, you do much more than insured tech. It looks like you work in all sorts of different um, business lines. Do, do do you ever find people in other areas of business that maybe are not right now focused on insurance, but yet you could see that they could be? Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, that's a great question. And and we certainly do see that. Um, we Because we invest in so many companies uh, across a, a wide range, um, so I think we, our portfolio now, we've probably invested in approaching 110 to 115 unique companies since 2013. Uh, about half mm-hmm. of those are software uh, IT companies in some form or fashion. And so what we see is, is even though initially a, a company, um, and I'll give you an example, a, a company that uh, exited our, our portfolio not long ago called iRecon Cars, um, they had a, a technology that was really valuable in the used car industry where they could uh, track the reconditioning process from start to finish when it's sold on auction to once it goes on the lot. And that had a great value proposition for the dealers because you can speed up that process. You can document and monitor everything that you do to fix or clean the car before it gets sold. Uh, ultimately, that's a it's quicker to lot. It's price justification. But if you get to a certain scale... Um, you have a lot of data on those vehicles that could start to become really valuable on the insurance side of things. So while initially they probably don't, they didn't have enough to say this is a, a home run to, to partner with an insurance company. As they grow, we we certainly had insurance partners and companies um, in the region who wanted to keep an eye on, on what the company was doing to figure out when is the right time to uh, to maybe access that data and and provide a better. Uh, experience for their own and customers on the insurance side. Yeah, I could see how that would be very beneficial. I think that's really neat. And I'm, I'm looking through the different you know, pillars, I guess, uh, health IT, biosciences, uh, alternate energy. And it just got me thinking, you know, I, I, I suppose people approach you all day, every day with their startups, with their ideas. This is what I want to do. But is there anything out there you're looking for? Is there anything out there that you say, man, if so-and-so uh, came to me with an idea surrounding X, I would, I would listen. Is there, is there a list that, that, that maybe y'all have? Or I don't know. Does that happen? And I just want to add one thing to that. Do you help companies 
when you see that, do you help companies pivot that are inside of your own portfolio? Yeah, two great questions. So the, the first one I'll answer and and I'll I'll give you the short answer and the slightly longer answer. So the short answer is is no. We don't um, at least on the the direct work that we're doing on the Rev One Fund side of things and, and through the startup studio, we're not gonna uh, go out and put calls to action and say if companies are doing uh, X, Y, or Z, that's where we get excited and we're excited and we're ready to invest. Um, what we do get excited about is when we see experienced entrepreneurs or really high potential entrepreneurs come to us with ideas where they've been able to validate that they're solving the right problems and, and are starting to put together the pieces in the business model to make them grow. So that's one reason why you see such a diverse portfolio is that um, we're really more focused on the, the is it high growth, high potential than is it any particular industry. The counter to that and, and uh, where I'll say where, where our partnerships come in is in the case of Grange, State Auto, James Mucker and others is um, we've identified specific problem areas. So that's where we go out and we get on the, the, the active side of the search and we'll go out and uh, do a landscape of venture databases, newsletters and, and, and anything we can to pull in and, and, and identify the startups that are solving problems in specific areas. But as a general rule, what we do here in, in central Ohio, we're not necessarily looking at that directly. On the pivot side of it, it's, it's a very interesting word that you use there um, because it, it's one that uh, sometimes gets overused because in, in my view and, and because we're working at such an early stage, pivots in the way they're, they're talked about common, uh, talked about usually are, are, are very common because pivoting is simply finding out um, what is the, 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 the actual market problem you're trying to solve. And, and sometimes those pivots can be big. Sometimes those pivots can be really small. So early on in the process, uh, you know, it, it's almost a pivot an hour. Every new data point you get, every new interview you have, you're, you're kind of seeing different things, different ways that a potential technology or solution can solve a market problem. Sure. Um, so certainly in the early stages, we spend a lot of time with companies, helping them understand and, and working collaborative, collaboratively with them to figure out, okay, is the, the problem that the market is asking for, is it the kind of, of problem that if you solve it could lead to a high growth company? Um, the later on that we go, hopefully we've done enough work early on where there aren't a lot of pivots in the later stages, but certainly we spend time with companies helping them through uh, some of those challenges as markets start to shift and new competitors come on board. Um, you know, how do you find the path to, to the, the right customer or the right segment of the market that can uh, continue to grow the business? I want to get back to uh, corporate innovation for a minute, particularly, uh, of course, in the insurance space. <clears throat> And as you know, that's not innovation and insurance aren't two ideas that have typically gone together historically, although that's obviously changing at a very fast clip today. And we see that, I mean, just we were talking before we got on, on, uh, online, we were talking about uh, InsureTech Connect coming up and, and that over 7,000 people are going to be there. It's innovation and insurance is a big deal. That must be interesting for you working with these, um, working with insurance companies compared to other verticals that you work in and how insurance companies are trying now to be innovative and get on board with the innovation um, concept and idea. Can you talk about what that's like for a minute, helping to bring these uh, maybe traditionally slow moving, slow changing organizations 
into an innovative environment? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy to, to talk about that a little bit. And, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because on the one hand you see, uh, and, and think of insurance as, uh, uh, an old-fashioned industry where, where there maybe hasn't been a lot of uh, innovation. But then uh, when you look at certain market data and you see the level of activity going into uh, insure tech investment uh, just going up and to the right year over year, um, you know, certainly the, 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 the insurance companies have, have caught up in, in recent years and they're, they're very active in the market. So what we see and and uh, the, the the partners that we work with on on the insur on the insurance side and the way they're approaching this is is there's some definite themes uh, that that have set certain firms apart from others. So one is uh, fundamentally they they at the executive level have set uh, the course that innovation and, and thinking about things differently is a, a corporate priority for the future. So that executive buy-in, that executive uh, leadership to give the team the space and the freedom to spend time on new things or, or doing business differently is certainly um, something where, where we've just seen the, the most success. And if you don't have that, it's really hard for the team to rally behind uh, the, the the vision or, or doing something innovative if the, the executives aren't really setting the tone. Right. Uh, another area that we see is that they've, and, and we kind of mentioned this before, you know, when we we're talking about some of those focus areas, but uh the ones that uh, are really doing this uh, in, in a significant way are, are not just looking for the, the next cool thing or, 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 you know, what's innovative or innovation just for innovation. Uh, but they're looking at their business priorities and their business needs and where they actually want to grow. And they're being very thoughtful about the types of problems they want to solve and the types of companies they want to bring in the door. So it's not necessarily about volume, about trying to, uh, and, and uh, work with 50 companies in a year, but it's about knowing what kind of impact you want and finding the right companies to bring in the door. And sometimes uh, even more importantly is knowing which ones to say no to. Mm -hmm. You're know, looking sure. at very popular companies, ones that are getting a lot of attention and saying, you know what, it's neat what they're doing, but it's not for us. Let's look at the next thing that we can get in. Sure, we have that in our own business where we're working with a number of different insure techs and we've had some come to us and push pretty hard because of maybe traction they're, they're, they've gained elsewhere. But if it doesn't really, if it's not what our problem is to solve, then um, it's just the time is, isn't necessarily right. And so, yeah, knowing when to say no is maybe more important than knowing when to say yes um, and not being overwhelmed by what's cool. Exactly. And, and another... Um piece of that is, is also in, in just having an idea internally about these build versus buy decisions. So if you know, uh, as a company, um, what is it you're good at? What is it your team should be building? Because it's either a, a strategic competence for you, or it's very important to your business. Um, and, and keeping those kinds of things internal, but being open to buying or partnering in these other areas, uh, you know, uh, large insurance companies, they, they have very smart people who could build a lot of things. So having the, um, the fortitude to say no to building the things you know you can build, but maybe you shouldn't so that you can partner with firms who can maybe do it a little bit faster, maybe do a little bit uh, um, uh, more effectively than, than you may be able to so that you can focus on the things that are core to your business. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. I was, I was interested uh, I know right now you're working with companies and there've been companies that have approached you to work with. Are there any companies you're working with that will be 
standout companies in the next year? Are there any up and coming companies that y'all are currently working with that'll be making headlines either in the insurance world or somewhere else? Yeah. You're thinking of the startups that we're working with? Yeah. 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 The startups. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. You know, I think for us, we, uh, you know, like like any investor, we we love all of our our children and all of our our, our investments are, are doing great. We're very excited about them. You know some uh, Don't play favorite. Don't play favorites. That's right. That's right. Um, you know some of the companies that uh, uh, we look at. That uh, I'll answer it a couple of ways. One, we, we see some sectors that are certainly very exciting. So obviously we're, we're talking about a lot here, but uh, the the growing portfolio we have on the insure tech side and. And just the talent here, we're just ex- very excited about that as a category. So you mentioned Matterport, Cape Analytics. We could also look at Flyreal and, and Authentic. Those are our companies we're, we're incredibly excited about, um, and, and, and can't wait to see where they're going to go. We are also excited about our, our life sciences portfolio. So um, we have great partnerships through Ohio State and through Children's Hospital and Ohio Health, where we've seen some some fantastic exits. Uh, in the last uh, 12, 14 months um, that we're, uh, you know, we're just really excited that uh, I think Columbus is, is becoming a real center for things like gene therapies. Um, by way of example, a company, MyoNexus, that uh, is a gene therapy for a very specific type of muscular dystrophy. A uh, company launched, and, and it's, it's really cool because it's, it's not only is it a, a great uh, uh, financial return because the company sold uh, late last year for uh, – 165 million dollars to uh, Sarepta, but it's also a, a technology that is is truly impacting and, and saving lives in some cases, or, or could as it continues to go through the the development path. So you're seeing some really life changing things go through the the doors and, and through the funds here that are really exciting to be a part of. And then we have sure. continued um, success on on the the enterprise portfolio side of things. So we have a, a company in our portfolio called Aware that uh, had adds a, a security layer to uh, team collaboration software tools. So they're a, a really exciting company with a fantastic founding team. And, and when we look at them and, and the types of clients they're able to get and the, the scale that they're starting to get to, um, they're poised to do some really great things in the next few years. So no crystal ball, but we're, we're excited both about some of the, the recent exits that we've seen, as well as uh, you know, the, the way that our portfolio has grown, that their ability to continue to, to attract capital and, and generate revenue. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch here the next few years. And you, I think you hit on a great point. Everybody wants to hit a financial no uh, home run. That's, that's a no brainer. But when you can do it with a company that's adding value to society, that's even even better, right? That's a, that's that's really cool that you guys get to be a part of that, and that you have those different verticals that that you're involved in. Life sciences, obviously, is very important, but but frankly, the way that we look at it is so is insurance. I mean, insurance enables a lot of commerce to occur, and uh, so to be able to do it well and efficiently is is really important as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, when you look at insurance across the board, it's it's such an enabler. Well, we experience it in so many ways. So, you know, one of the first things we do when we take on a, an investor role in a company is we look at your liability insurance, your DNO insurance. So that, you know, if you can find ways to make the insurance industry and, and specifically in our case, sometimes it's commercial insurance, more efficient, better for the startups, that has a significant impact on our business and for entrepreneurs across the board. If you can make starting and running your own business easier 
for that entrepreneur, whether they want to start a high growth company or whether they're going to start a, a mom and pop restaurant. Those are the kinds of things we love being a part of because uh, maybe you're not, uh, you know, it's not looked at the same way as gene therapies, but you're certainly helping change the life of, of that individual or that company in a pretty meaningful way. Right. Moving the ball forward in a good way is, uh, is great to be a part of. And, and with that, we'll say, we'll, we'll bring this to a close. We really appreciate you guys being with us. Um, we, we have to shout out Brett Hammer, which we've done before in, in this episode that he led us to you guys. And, um, this is just another example of how, uh, large and diverse the, the insure tech ecosystem is, um, that, uh, we could find this vital, exciting company, uh, that we'd never even heard of before. So, uh, we're, we're thrilled that you gave us the time and all of the information that you did today. And we'll look forward to hearing more from Rev1 as time goes on. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much for the opportunity. I'll, I'll just uh, double down on your shout out to Brent. Um, really, uh, I always appreciate him thinking of us. They've, they've built uh, some amazing things there at Grange in a very short amount of time. And we're really proud to, to, to be a partner and, and to be a part of uh, this journey for them. And I think it's a company to continue to keep an eye on because they're uh, continuing to, to approach this in a very thoughtful way, build great relationships with the startup community. And we think that the sky's the limit for them. And we're just really excited to be a part of it. Cool. And we'll just say that when FNO hits the road and we come to Columbus, Ohio, we're going to set up shop for a few hours um, at Rev1 and, and, and get some of your startups on, on our podcast. What do you think about that? Well, you just let me know the the date that you're coming into town, we'll get a great lineup for you. And you're welcome here uh, at Rev1 Ventures anytime. Well, we'll look forward to that. And we also want to thank Heather in the background. Say, say goodbye, Heather. Goodbye, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, thank guys. Thank you. It's interesting, Lee, that we have now had a number of these accelerators on. And uh, they all have a little bit different twist that they put on the idea. Yeah, I thought it was really neat to have somebody who is a little more centrally located, right? We've talked to, say, Kiwi Tech uh, or Plug and Play in the past, who is worldwide, different offices. Uh, but really, Rev1 is really focusing there on that Columbus area and, and, and the surrounding regions, of course. Uh, but, you know, you can really horn in on specific companies, specific needs. And I think it helps you as a company really bring these companies out of their shell and into profitable companies. Yeah. The uh, the interesting thing about them is it seems like they're, the commitment that they make to their companies is maybe a little bit deeper and a little bit broader and that they're yeah. interested in staying involved in them over time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so that's an interesting twist. I also like that the way that they kind of play with the ecosystem is that not only are they involved with startups, but they're actually involved with some companies like, and they're involved in many verticals, but in the insurance area two two companies that we know, they actually have, I guess, partnership or consulting agreements with them where they're helping their innovation teams to do their work. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're 
they're not just finding startups. They're also helping people to understand what innovation is and how to go about the art and science of innovation. Yeah, because that is that is a lot to learn. And for a company like Grange, uh, who is partnered with them and is a part uh, of this whole movement with them, they're able to rely on Rev1 uh, to fill a lot of different needs right. and to find the right people, the right companies at the right time. So I think it's a great niche. Uh, I really enjoyed visiting with, with him, and I thought, uh, thought there's a lot of great things in the future for him. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Columbus, Ohio. It, there really is. It's, I would say there and in uh, and, and Denver, Colorado, two hot yeah. spots for uh, for technology. Who knew? That are off, <clears throat> off the beaten path, but Columbus is a major insurance hub. Yeah. We have a number of customers there, and, and there's even more insurance companies that we don't do business with. And so it makes perfect sense for Rev1 to be involved in InsureTech in a, in a place where so many of their neighbors are insurance companies. Yeah, it makes total sense. Well, listen, we're real grateful to Mike McCann for being with us today and representing Rev1 and telling us the Rev1 story, and to Heather, too. We Thanks. Yes, thank, thank you, you, Heather. Thank you. We're going to shout out to you, even though you didn't say a word on the podcast. And uh, we thank you for being with us today, and thank Rev1 for sharing their people with us. And just a reminder that the best way that you can support us is to subscribe to our podcast which you can do on any of your favorite players. We also want to hear from you and hear what you have to say about our podcast. And you can do that on fnoinsuretech.com is our website. You can go there and communicate with us uh, in whichever way makes you most comfortable. So that's it for today. Until next time, which is between now and next time, will be ITC, InsureTech Connect. So we're really excited for that, aren't we, Lee? I'm very excited. We're very excited. I sound thrilled. I really am. I'm very excited. My dog is barking. So with that, we'll say, we'll we'll sign off. Goodbye, everybody.